Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. Money FM 89.3, good evening. It is drive time with Elliot Danka, Timothy Go, and Chua Tian Tian. Time now for Market View. Were you one of those that uh, was affected by the uh, DBS uh, outage on the Payla mobile wallet? Um, what did it last for, what, 12? Almost 18 hours, I think. It was restored, uh, I believe, yesterday evening only. Yeah. So about 12 hours, yeah, probably. About, yep. about. Uh, that's a conversation we're going to discuss as MAS called it unacceptable. For now, though, let's take a look at how uh, we started the day. Right, Elliot. So Singapore stocks opened lower today, bucking the global trend on a day which saw gains for markets worldwide. So in early trade, the STI was down 0.1% at 3,260 points after some 104 million securities changed hands in a broader market. So let's take a look at the closing numbers. The benchmark STI closed down 0.16% in the red at 3,257 points. In terms of value turnover, we are looking at one. $0.36 billion. Now, gainers outnumbered losers, 308 versus 255. Top advances, Jardin Psycho and Carriage, New Incorporation USD and AEM SGD. And top decliners, OCBC, Pegasus Spec and UOB. Now, in terms of companies to watch, yes, we do have a DBS for you after the bank's digital services were disrupted yesterday. Now, following that disruption, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, MAS, said the incident was unacceptable. It would take commensurate supervisory actions against the bank. Now, on the other side of the world, though, the US Nasdaq has entered into a bull market as bank jitters ease. But what does this really signal to central bank officials? So for more market moves and views, uh, we want to speak to Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Terence, welcome to the show. Hey, Tian Tian. How are you? I am great. It's really wet out here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess who's not wet here in the studio, us. So, um, Terence, let's start with the Singapore stock market on the rainy day. How did the STI fare today? Well, the STI uh, seemed to have taken a breather today, uh, but this is kind of expected, you know, over uh, since the middle of the month, uh, after hitting a low of uh, 3,000, just, just a shape below 3,100. Mm. Uh, it has closed uh, up 6% uh, amidst uh, dimish, diminishing concerns over the, the banking crisis. Um, taking a look at STI today, the constituent stocks, banks are banks are down, uh, but not by much. And as you mentioned earlier on, the Jardin guys are up, Hong Kong Land, mm. Jardin CNC. Uh, capital, because of, uh, I, I think that uh, they made an interesting announcement yesterday. Yes. Uh, Yang Zijiang is down 3%. Uh, but that, other than these guys, uh, I think the rest of the STI constituents are, you know, it's like watching paint dry. Mm. Uh, nothing much happening over on that front. Ah, watching paint dry. I like that. <laughs> I painted my in-law's house two days ago and didn't like watching the paint dry, Terrence. Um, okay, we'll talk about Keppel in just a bit. Uh, I want to talk about the biggest movers for today. Any surprises for you? Well, not much. Uh, as I said, it's kind of a boring day. Uh, but this one, it seems to be falling on the tech That's why you got the rain, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, tech guys had a, mm. a good showing. Uh, and I think thanks in part to the very strong Nasdaq closing and amazingly, you know, Nasdaq right now, uh, they're talking about a bull run right now, you know, after uh, hitting a low. Uh, but that's very, very uh, Nasdaq or uh, tech-related. So some of our tech guys also benefited from it. Uh, looking at the top 30 gainers list, uh, Tintian mentioned AEM up 5%. Mm. Uh, there are other smaller tech guys like UMS, Grand Ventures, which were also up but not by much. 
Right, we will talk about the tech guys and we will talk about the Nasdaq in a bit. Uh, Terence, give us something to talk about later on, right? Let's take a look at DBS for now. We saw a about 12-hour-long disruption of DBS's service yesterday and this comes just a little over a year after a similar incident uh, back in November 2021. MAS has spoken. It said it is unacceptable. What can we expect next? It's only 12 hours, uh. <laughs> it, it seems like forever for me, you know. When I want, when you want to use the app, uh, the Payla, you know, I, I just couldn't use it. Well, but I'm, I'm not sure whether the latest disruption uh, is from the same root cause uh, as that in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, that lasted for quite a fair bit, uh, mm. or it could be completely new, right? Mm. Uh, mm. But that we just really need to get an update from. Well, the let me correct myself. But, it is a yeah. disruption lasting more than 12 hours, according to the Straits Times. I yeah. knew it. I knew yeah. it. Yeah. Like I said, it's forever. Uh, anyway, for the 2021 disruption, uh, MAS imposed an uh, additional capital requirement uh, of $930 million uh, on DBS. And that was four times higher than the $230 million that DBS got slapped with uh, in 2010. And how, th- how did they calculate this $930 million? And that was based on uh, 1.5 times multiplied to its uh, risk-weighted assets for operational risk. And uh, regulatory capital refers to the amount of capital banks must set aside as a buffer to cover for unexpected losses. So I think in this case, uh, MAS may do the same. Or, you know, but because they are, you know, repeat offenders, uh, it could have, the, the, the multiplier could also be upped. Uh, Terence, uh, let's talk about Keppel Corp. Uh, it makes the news as the company says in its annual report that it aims to raise its current $50 billion in assets under management to $200 billion by the year 2030. What should we read into this and what kind of extent are we looking at in terms of this being achievable? Well, that, that's, uh, that's a big goal. I mean, from 50 to $200 billion, uh, yeah. I, I think uh, back of the envelope is about what, 30, 25, 30% growth mm. uh, per annum all the way to 2030. Uh, but uh, Capo is a company that I do have lots of faith in. Uh, under the restructuring, you know, various units of Capo has grown by leaps and bounds. And uh, they are able to better collaborate on their projects. It's not a typical conglomerate where you have very, very different, disparate kind of businesses. Uh, many of the businesses are connected, are linked, and they are able to eke out um, uh, uh, sort of collaboration savings uh, on such cases. And a case in point is that you know external revenue from cross-business unit collaboration uh, amounted to about $560 million, and this was reported by Capo yesterday, and that's up 60% uh, from 2020. Uh, when when Capo first came up with this vision 2030, uh, when they, uh, that, that, was, that was like two, three years ago. And another, I think, interesting uh, key part of vision 2030 mm-hmm. is to pivot away from lumpy profits, mm-hmm. the order books and uh, property development business. And I think they have done very well in actually like upping uh, their recurring income. So I, I think whatever they've done so far, even within a very short two to three years, uh, that is extremely com- commendable. And I think that even the, though uh, you know, $200 billion is a lofty target, it's something that you know, is stretched, but it's achievable. 
Yeah, okay, stretched but achievable. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we are now speaking to Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. And let's take a look at some of the headlines around the world. Uh, we are getting more details of Alibaba's split one into six, right? Uh, one company into six different companies, right? Uh, after its conference call with investors, the group said today that it will look to monetize non-core assets and consider giving up control of some businesses. Anything stood out to you so far? Well, Jack Ma appearing in Hangzhou. I think that's a sign <laughs> that you know this clamp down on big China tech uh, is reversing, and mm. uh, they're loose. The government is loosening its grip, iron grip on on tech firms. Uh, you're right. Six uh, new units. Uh, each business unit will have the flexibility to raise uh, outside capital and potential to seek an IPO, uh, with the exception of Taobao, uh, mm. which will remain wholly owned by Alibaba. Uh, management also mentioned that the reorg will empower individual units to be more uh, agile and respond faster to market changes, which is positive, right? Um, regulatory concerns aside, it could make the market, you know, feel more excited about the shares. And you can see it. I mean, the the shares have uh, gone up quite significantly. Uh, we we did a back of the envelope uh, calculation earlier today, and you know, we think that you know there's still some upside, uh, even though it has jumped quite significantly from its low. Hmm. And further away in the US, uh, Terence, the Nasdaq has entered into a bull market as a sort of bank jitters ease. Any thoughts on this? What does it mean for the US Fed? Was this specific to Nasdaq only? Well, I, I don't think it was uh, just about the bank crisis easing. Um, it has been on an uptrend since the start of this year. Hmm. It sort of like flirted with uh, a rally uh, or a bull run because uh, that's marked by 20% increase right from the bottom. It flirted a couple of times, didn't make it, but finally, uh, uh, I think last night, it actually surged past a 20% uh, mark. So, um, and, and in last year, what happened was that tech was hit heavily yeah. because of the rising interest rates. And now we are at the end of the tunnel, right? So there's excitement with the tech stocks. And, and that's why we see a very... Uh, like an unbalanced appreciation uh, between the different index in uh, the different indices in in the US. Nasdaq has popped up by you know over twenty percent. Dow is only like I think two three percent. S and P is around is circa that also like below five percent. So uh, it uh, a lot of the attention, a lot of the big jumps are Nasdaq or tech related stocks. Right. I wonder if we're truly at the end of the tunnel, though, uh, Terence. But speaking of uh, the U.S. indices uh, and the Fed, the Fed told Congress last night that the scope of blame for Silicon Valley Bank's failure stretches across bank executives, Fed supervisors and other regulators. How do you read into this? What can we expect in the reports by the Fed and FDIC on the failure of SVB, uh, which is due very soon? Mm, I believe that this banking saga didn't really happen uh, mm. just. You know, with a snap of the finger, you yeah. know, for sure there were some underlying inherent issues yeah. uh, pivotal to this collapse. Uh, CS Credit Suisse uh, demise was a long time coming. Uh, even though it has age on its side, right? It's one of the most venerable. It was considered one of the very venerable banks out there, right? But then uh, it has been free falling uh, over the past year in terms of the share price. There have been uh, there have been many uh, accidents along the way. Uh, mismanagement of the investments. Uh, some Democrats have also argued uh, 2018 uh, bank deregulation law is to blame. Uh, that law, uh, mostly backed by the 
the Republicans, uh, but also by some uh, moderate Democrats relaxed the strictest oversight for the firms, holding between 100 billion and 250 billion in assets, mm. and that included uh, SVB and Signature. Uh, believe the White House is ready, readying itself for plans for legislation that would reinstate uh, those regulations on mid-sized banks in a bid to reduce the risk. Mm, all right. Thanks very much, Terence. That was Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.